Come, come, Mr. Bond. You derive just as much pleasure from killing as I do. Come, come, Mr. Bond. You get just as much pleasure from killing as but I, I do. I'm saying that bit. All right, no, I'm saying just don't caricature it. Try and do it real. Come, 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 Mr. Bond. Shut up. Don't tell me how to act. I, well, I bloody should do. Why? Because sometimes you tend to sort of, you know, crank it up a bit. You yeah. Know. So you are widely regarded as the king of understatement. All right, I would do like this. Come, come, Mr. Bond. You get just as much of... Come, come, Mr. Bond. I get the lines right. All right, as, as, as a rule, it's okay. more effective if you, okay. if you don't okay. fluff the okay. line. Okay, but I'll deliver it with a nice bit of understatement. Come, come, Mr. Bond. You get just as much pleasure from killing as I do. That was the all right. worst. Okay, all right, is, this is it, this is it. Come, come, Mr. Bond. You get just as much pleasure from killing as I do. Come, come, Mr. Bond. You get just as much pleasure from killing as I do. Fucking yeah. No, you went up at the end, like you, yes. like you watch Australian soaps. You see soaps. what I did on my face? Come, come, Mr Bond, you get just as much pleasure from killing as I do. Come, come, Mr Bond. You derive just as much pleasure from killing as I do. Well, you know what that music means. It's the mellow version, the Nightfly with Dave Joskow. Yeah. This is obviously the song I play when uh, I'm not feeling so uppity, but I still want to put together the podcast. But here we are after so many weeks of our big bam opening and guests and nonsense and fun, the snowy version of the podcast recorded on Saturday coming out a day after. First snowy Saturday of the year in New York City in December. It's a beautiful day looking out the window. It's snowing. It's pretty. It's Christmas time, everybody. Although Hanukkah is actually in two days. But I haven't been feeling well, and that's why I uh, took it down. Took it down to peg. Otherwise, I would have uh, taped on uh, my usual Wednesday. But your pal Dave Jessica was feeling a little blue. Not blue. Like, I think I have a virus of some sort, and I'll tell you how I think I got it. Let's just start, huh? Let's just go with it. Not much of an opening today because I just want to, you know, I want to do it. I'm feeling much better now. I'm feeling much better now. But I, I, I could not have done any of this Wednesday. I had a splitting headache. I had, I guess, a fever, but I was shivering and then hot. I guess that's a fever. I guess it's some sort of flu. I don't think it's out of my system. Like, I have a virus. i positive, but it's not horrible. But I still think I was just dehydrated. I think I'm always dehydrated. I think that is my problem. I do not drink enough water. I know I don't. I hate water. Now, my friend Joe has just bought two cases of what he refers to as ghetto water because it really is. It is a grape and orange flavored water. And he gave me a bottle of it. It's from Nestle. And you can order it online. And it's from Nestle. And it is a grape flavored water. Now, I had it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the most delicious thing I've ever had. This is how I'm going to drink water from now on. And I got about, it's a small bottle, you know, like a a 16 ounce. And I got three quarters of the way through. I'm like, this is delicious. And then at three quarter point, I'm like, yeah, I don't think I can drink any more of this. It's a little too sweet. I don't think I can do this every day. Yeah, I changed my tune really quick. He bought cases of it. It would be me like having that first sip and be like, I got to get a case of this immediately. But it's not going to work. But I got to find a way to get the water down because I just don't like water. Nobody likes water, do they? Except my niece, Dory. She loves water. What's the matter with that kid? 
What is the matter with that kid? But I got to get it down because then, so on Wednesday, I was feeling not well. And I think the reason is on Tuesday, my friend Caitlin's birthday, we took her out for sushi and we had like the lunch special. So I had spicy chicken teriyaki plus sushi, which is salty, plus, you know, high sodium uh, soy sauce and, you know, the, uh, the, the wasabi and I don't know, whatever. Then I went home and I had a can of the Chef Boyardee lasagna, <laughs> which you know you're asking for trouble. And then I had a half a bag of tortilla Dorito chips that I love. You know, we can only get at Walmart. And then I also had a sprayable cheese and crackers. I, I, I don't know. I went sick. And then, and then I got sick. And, you know, when I was thinking, like, well, how did this happen? How did this happen? Was this Monday wings? And I'm like, you know, and drink because I overdrank on Monday. I drank a little more because I invited this girl as a bartender. And, you know, when you go out with bartenders, you do tend to drink a lot more, a lot more than you would may normally drink because you got to keep up because bartenders, they drink, uh, you know, unless they're no, they just drink. They drink. And she's young and, and looking for fun and action and uh, and Jewish. What? Uh, but I guess I'm too old for her. Hey, but that's the way it is. But she came for Wings. I still like her. And uh, had a good time. But I, I can't imagine that's what... I mean, I go to Wings all the time. And I used to party much harder on Mondays. And I take it down a little. But maybe that had something to do with it. I didn't sleep a lot. So the immune system's down. But I think it's a load of sodium. An overload of sodium. Dehydration for both nights. And I think that was the problem. And so then I'm drinking... You know, first of all, never... Self-medicate. When I say self-medicate, I mean never go online and look up your symptoms, ever. I don't know why I did it. Every time I've ever gone online, it has been, I'm, what am I, an idiot? Every time, I'm like, stop falling for this. And there's a, you can go down the, first, the whole Google page and you will not find anyone who says something you really need to hear. I look up symptoms. Why am I cold? Why am I freezing but also sweating or something? I, I don't remember what I looked up. And they go, you probably have AIDS or diabetes. I'm like, that was the first thing that came up. What? Who the fuck are these people? Well, that's the thing. Have you ever written anything online and said, hey, everybody? <laughs> have you ever gone to any site? Yeah, I realized my doctor said I had uh, gonorrhea. So, like, what? why would anybody ever share that? Yeah, I had a fever, but it turned out to be AIDS. So, you're well. I'm just warning everybody. If you have a fever, it's, it's like that um, Seinfeld episode with the tractor story. Yeah. Turns out she said I got gonorrhea from the tractor. Uh, it's the same thing. I Who the hell's going online and writing their their shit? I, you know, and, and, and then the worst part is, yeah, I got to stick to just asking my friends what it is. And the best part, of course, is, you know, when you're sick and you don't know what's happening is you go to, you know, the receptionist at your office is the is everybody's MD. And you're like, yeah, I'm not feeling good. I got a fever. Like, OK, what you have is, you know, you probably are starting to get a flu. So do this and do that. It, it, it's really kind of funny. You're you'd prefer to listen to the receptionist at your office who might be in their 20s 
than actually go online and actually look up, spend some time looking at it because it's all so horribly devastating. The receptionist is never going to give you like, yeah, you probably have AIDS, you know, unless she's hilarious. Uh, they're going to give you just the stuff you want to hear. It's, it's probably nothing. So just do this and that. You know, you gave a couple of days and so you start to panic. So I had, you know, just like I, I was a headache and I was in a buzz and I could tell I just wasn't right. And I was at work Wednesday feeling crazy and I was planning to come home and tape. I just couldn't put it together. And I went home and slept. Um, my friend Caitlin told me not to go to sleep early. which So I was just sitting around, but I was so happy to just be home and relaxed. So I definitely just needed to rest. But it's funny. I drank a whole bunch of orange juice. I had grilled cheese and some tea, but I wasn't drinking water. And then on Thursday, still felt bad. I should have called in, um, but I, I'm the trooper. And I, I'm like, let me just get through this because I have a couple days left where I could call in, but I'm trying to use them at the end of the year. You know how that is, people. And uh, I didn't want to waste it. And I went to work and then started drinking water. I just started, you know what? Let me just drink water. No orange juice, no tea, no coffee. Let's just go with water. And I started to feel better. I don't drink enough water. Apparently, water is completely important for the rest of your life. My mother was telling me her boyfriend, Al, was suffering from dehydration. He had to go to the hospital and get, like, tubes. You don't want that. You got to drink a shitload of water. And the worst part is I hate water and I hate peeing. Let alone peeing in my office is a nightmare because the people in that office are disgusting. And the bathrooms are gross. So I hate going to the bathroom more than necessary. I hate it. If I, I you know, and then considering, you know, just waking the many times you got to wake up in the middle of the night because you've been drinking so much water. How do you, you shove it all in? So if I know I'm not doing anything that day, maybe I'll start to drink more water. But, you know, if I'm going out or something, I, I don't know. I'm worried. It's hard going to the bathroom in New York City. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. But I feel much better. And then Friday, last night, I went to the Devils game. So I was nervous about that because I'm like, well, I don't want to be a party pooper. So I had a couple of beers, but I wasn't sure if I was going to. But I still wasn't eating. I had only had a grilled cheese sandwich every night. And um, oh, but then for lunch, for some reason, I was trying to eat light. So I had but we keep going to this. This diner, uh, Mia and Joe and Caitlin from every Friday, we call it Scratch Off Fridays. And we scratch off this, you know, the $30 lottery ticket every week. and We've been winning. It's been fun. But we keep going to this horrible diner, which is fun. But their menu stinks. They have not not one. It's a very strange diner. They don't have one healthy option. They're more known for their heart-clogging sandwiches. So they don't have any healthy options. I really This is me, Dave Jones. I'm looking for a healthy option. The place doesn't have it. I don't know. Like, I can't go out to lunch with these guys anymore. They either take me to this Italian place called Pig, the Park Italian Gourmet, or uh, somewhere worse. I, I can't keep up, let alone the weight gain, the sodium, the dehydration. So I decided I thought cheese blintzes would be better. Because normally you get three small cheese blintz, but they gave me a, a plate of these huge. They were delicious. They were not the right thing to have. Something is definitely wrong with me. Like my stomach didn't hurt or anything, but the, the, there were some issues. You know what I'm talking about. 
But I went to the Devils game, and I had a good time, and uh, had a really good time as always. I always talk to the president. We always spend a lot of time together. It's so exciting. I talk to the president of the Devils, like, whenever we're there, for long periods of time. I, I think he likes me, like, and I, I like him a lot. He's really nice. He's actually very funny. Not one of those guys that pretends to be funny. He's a great guy. He's always around. Talked to Ken Danica last night. That's always awesome. And he's he's always in the mood to talk. He loves being Ken Danica, you know. Uh, now that he does the color commentary for the Devils, but he, in between periods, he's just always walking around. You'd think you'd have stuff to prepare for, but he's like, hey, how you doing? Taking pictures with everybody. Great guy. Great guy. Great player. Three rings. He was badass cool. Uh, I found out last night he only wears the 95 ring, and I go, what? That was a strike season. He goes, I guess he felt that was the most powerful, uh, you know, that was the team that, like, rarely worked hard or something. I don't know. I'm like, I would have gone with the 2003. That was an unexpected one. But, uh, you know, super fun. Love the Devils. They lost. Always a bummer, but super fun. Bought some, uh, bought this nice uh, young couple from work. Uh, it's a paralegal and his, and his uh, lovely girlfriend, uh, Indian girl, Pooja. <laughs> I did not make fun of her name. I got it out of my system uh, way in advance. Uh, but they were hilarious. I, you know, I like bringing... Uh, you know, guests. It's fun. I like the Devils. I've always liked the Devils, so I don't feel two-faced in going since I like the Devils and I have the photos way before everything got awesome. When my cousin bought the team. I can't believe my cousin bought the team. I still can't. I still can't. I can't believe he owns the team. I can't believe he owns the Sixers. And now that the Devils are doing good, it's like extra exciting. I mean, this is, you know, he hasn't owned a team that's done well yet. He owns the Sixers and the Devils. And only this year are both of those teams putting some, you know, at least uh, the first half of the season together. But uh, good times. But I felt better. But then today, you know, it's so funny. I, I mean, I got home and I really wanted to get it going because I am afraid of the darkness. I talk about it every year, but I know you all feel this way. It's messed up. That 4.30 sundown is messed up, and it messes with you. So now that I've told you they changed my hours at work, I have all this free time. I, I, I come home at 6.30. I get my pajamas. I, I don't know what to do. I'm so confused. So I got home last night and I said, all right, let me go to bed because I want to wake up early tomorrow because I got a bunch of stuff to do for Love Actually, December 19th at the Village Underground, which I, I've completed the script. I've sent it out. So I'm very happy about that. And I think it's okay. You know, it's Love Actually. But I'm very happy with the script. I'm very happy. I can tell I'm happy with it and I'm not worried about the show. I just got to get a bunch of stuff. I got to get those signboards, you know, for the, if you've seen the movie. Uh, that that guy from The Walking Dead has. I got to get those. I changed those signs. Here, let me um, let me read you what I have. I don't care if I'm spoiling it. Like I said, most of you aren't able to come. Where are those? I I this is how I did it. Tell me if I'm crazy. Oh, I'm. I decided to use Bichetti again, even though I said I never would again because I hate him. Uh, only because, you know, he's let me down twice, you know, because he had that heart attack. <laughs> oh, I'm hilarious. No, but let's face it. I mean, the guy's perfect. He's going to play that Colin Thistle, you know, where the girls are like, 
what's this word, you know, for when you use your accent? What bottle? What bottle? Table. What kind of sauce is this? What's this, sir? What's this, sir? I mean, I, I couldn't resist myself. So this is what I have his sign saying. Um, with any luck, by next year, I'll be going out with one of these girls. And then it's a picture of, like, little girls, you know, like iCarly and stuff. And then she'll be like, hey, you sick fuck. And then the sign will say, oops. Sorry, I meant Kate Upton or something. But for now, let me say, without hope or agenda, just because it's Christmas, I'm still mad at you for eating that cake because we find, you know, before she ate, I make a whole big... Eh. And I really hope Peter dies in a bizarre boating accident. To me, you are perfect, except for the fact that your tatas are much larger in the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Am I crazy or is that true? Because in Bendit Like Beckham, they were, you know... And she goes, very observant. Yes, they're very... Di- they were digitally enhanced... And then the next sign says, ah, anywho, my wasted heart will love you until you look like this. And that is a picture of Garrison Keillor. Merry Christmas. You think that's good enough? After he finishes, Andrew Lincoln wanders off. Juliet gets her shotgun and shoots him in the head because it was quite clear he was infected. I mean, what normal human would pull this bullshit? (laughs) Love actually. Hey, now. Let's do some Alan Rickman stuff. You know, I like doing this before the show. I don't know whether it makes me feel bad or worse. <laughs> I do this all the time to myself. I put myself in this situation. Also, I have uh, the President of the United States going to be played by uh, our friend Bob DeBono. So we'll have Donald Trump as the president, you know, instead of Billy Bob Thornton. Funny stuff. I can't do the imitation, so it's not worth doing the dialogue. It's only funny when he does it. I'm doing Tom Papa's show uh, this Tuesday. That'll be tomorrow. The 12th, first night of Hanukkah, which I'm upset because I like going to the Devil's Game. First night of Hanukkah because, you know, they have the big menorah ceremony. But when Tom Pop, what happened was I texted Tom Pop. I said, I can't believe you're on the Prairie Home Companion. I had no idea he was actually on the, he's almost the new host, even though they have this younger guy. Now with Garrison Keillor out, Tom Pop is probably, I, he's the head writer. And I listen, I like Saturdays at six o'clock, listening to the Prairie Home Companion. Uh, that's why I like Tom Pop's show because he does it just like that. And I heard him on the show, and I'm like, boy, that was terrific, because it was exciting hearing him on the show. It was almost like hearing his regular show on the regular radio. And then he goes, oh, are you free on Tuesday? And I said, sure, because I'm always up for whatever he wants to do and very honored that he wants me on his show. And I'm trying to get to some of the... Oh, this is the way I'm going to do... Oh, yeah, let me get... To... This is the way I'm going to do every line that uh, Liam Neeson has in the show. I'm just going to do it uh, like the Taken stuff, you know. What the hell's the matter with you people? This is at his wife's funeral. But then I said to the doctors in her care, I don't know what your deal is, but like you, I also have a particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a long career. Skills that make a nightmare for people like you. If you let my wife live, that'll be the end of it. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. And do you know what this doctor's answer was? Good luck. Do you believe this guy? Anyway, now let's step it up a bit with a classic. Going all the way back to 1975. Please enjoy this classic from the Bay City Rollers as I carry my wife's coffin to her grave. I don't see how to do it any differently. I think that'll be funny. Uh, Wait, let me get to the... uh, Where's the good Alan Rickman part that I like? Where's with his... uh, I don't know. 
uh, Natterman is the prime minister. Sophia Samrat is all the British parts. Rachel Feinstein. Rachel having some trouble uh, doing now that she got a boyfriend doing some of the sexy stuff with the, uh, you know, that scene where those two are naked and doing it be her and Russ and being like, well, I don't know. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. But whatever she wants to do is fine. Uh, I don't know where it is. Maybe I should have come more prepared. I told you I was sick. What's the matter with you people? This is more like, we're a little overdramatic, are we? Where we need Kate, and we need Leo, and we need them now. Is that good? Is it? It's okay. And what else are you going to do? Uh, oh, wait. I want to do the line with the... Uh, I don't suppose I have some sort of six-foot T-shirt wearing boyfriend. Can I come up party at... God. Is All right. You don't want something along the stationary line. It's needing a stapler something. I'm not. I'm gonna let Bashetti do the uh, Rowan Atkinson part. It's just even though I want to do it so much, looking for something in particular, sir. Yes. Uh, how much is that? Two hundred seventy-five pounds, sir. I'll have it. Very good, sir. Should I gift wrap it for you, sir? I want to do that, but uh, let's face it. Let's face it. Bashetti. Looking for something that particulars. <laughs> I mean, it so writes itself if Bichetti's in it. It does. So anyway, I got to go out today and I got to get some supplies or some stuff or whatever I got to do. It's hard to leave the house on a snowy day, but I don't care. I don't have anything else to do, but I knew I had to do the podcast. So I'm like, I want to get up early. But uh, so I went to bed at like, I don't know, 1230. But then I got up at 230 and I was up for the rest of the night. Watched three episodes of Riverdale, which is so funny. Because um, apparently it's not just me who likes Riverdale. Uh, everybody does. They, they just had an article in the paper like, why do we like Riverdale? Because it makes no sense. It's stupid. And yet here I am. I mean, I, I always watch every incarnation of Archie Comics shit because I grew up with it. And I always want to see what they got planned. It's very entertaining. I can't deny it. It's so stupid. I ended up watching three. I was so entertained. I kept it all this long because I'm like, eh, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm through with it. And then I'm not. But uh, it's so stupid. But, yeah, so then I was up until 5, and I'm like, all right, it's 6 o'clock. When I wake up at 6 o'clock, then I'll, if I can make it till 6 o'clock, I'll go out and I'll get something to eat, and I'll start my day. And then, of course, I fell asleep at 5.30 because I was waiting to get up at 6, and I slept until 10.30 and ruined the whole day. But then I finally went out, got something to eat, said I got to do the podcast, if I finish the podcast by 3.30, I still got an hour of daylight. As long as I get out of the house by daylight, I think I can do this. But I'll tell you, once the sun goes down, I, I mean, it's only 4.30 in the afternoon. Why can't I go to Union Square and go to a Staples? I go, why? Because I'm like, no, it's later. Everything's closed. It's already 4.30. Everything's not closed at 4.30, but it's, my God, it's so dark. And it's not like this is a new thing. Wouldn't that be funny if it was like, oh, remember remember in the 70s when it never got dark in, at 4.30? You remember that? And then like right after like the 2000s, it just started getting dark. at uh, Right after September 11th, it started getting dark at 4.30. My God, this happens every year. What have it, Does this, I guess, does it affect me like this every year? I can't remember. And that's the thing. You know, I always talk about this during the year. I always talk about this. We can't remember from year to year. When it gets cold and when it gets hot, we can't remember. We're like, you know, 
oh my god it's cold outside i'm like no it's not i'll let you know when it's cold or whatever i i we just we forget from year to year but the darkness i know it's affecting a lot of people i mean it's weird 4 30 i was talking to a girl at the office from maine the sunset there is four o'clock or 3 30 3 30 3 30 how are people not killing themselves on a daily basis there Maybe the key is to move to Australia. <laughs> That's the true snowbird. Go to Australia now and here then. Not just California or Florida. Not good enough. Daylight, uh, it's funny because there's so many summer days. I'm like, God, when is that stupid sun going to go down? Because I've had enough. If I'm sunburnt or something or I've just been in the sun all day, just... Just said already, oh my God, I can't take it. And now it's like, uh, when the hell does it even get light? It was six o'clock. No, no wonder I didn't know it was six o'clock already because it was still dark. It's dark at seven o'clock. It's like never light. And today, you know, it's never going to get, it's already dark because it's snowing. But snow is fun. But I don't know why it shouldn't be this difficult to leave the house. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. Enough about me. What do you think about me? <laughs> anyway, let me just tell you a couple of things. Now, this next Wednesday is when I was supposed to have David Tell and Gilbert Gottfried at, in my studio, um, as we're calling it now, and... Uh, on uh, Wednesday to record the Hanukkah podcast. But Gilbert cannot make it. Very good reason. I've been back and forth with his lovely wife, who it turns out, you know, we've never talked before. And now it turns out we know each other from the 90s. Uh, she used to work with a very good friend of mine. Very possible she was even over my house many times. Uh, very interesting. Started watching the documentary of Gilbert. Uh, very fascinating. Anyway, you know, he's very busy. Dave's very busy. Right now, the plan is to record the day after love, actually. Torture for me, but I'll take what I can get. That'll still be the last day of Hanukkah, so we can still do the candlelighting. I mean, that is the plan. But I told him, like, listen, if it doesn't work out for Hanukkah, you know, I don't mind doing it in January. Let's, you know, I just want to get this done. This is a great opportunity for me and my listeners. And, and you know, I mean, how great is that going to be? David Tell and Gilbert Gottfried on my on my show, I mean that's that's fantastic. So whatever they want to do, so that's the plan. So next week, I guess will be another uh, solo act or somebody from the the show. Maybe I'll have that girl Sophia on or something. If she's not too annoying, we'll see. That accent after a while, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll have her on and we'll talk about the show. And so then the week after that, which uh, would be I guess Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. I guess I'll put the Gilbert Attell thing on, I, I guess, right? I mean, uh, is that a good time to put it up? I, because we're lighting the menorah, the, the, the holidays, you want to put it up? Yeah, what's the difference, right? Yeah, nobody cares. We, like I said, we don't know when you listen. You can listen at any time. Listen at any time. There's not going to be another new show till uh, 1st of January. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? He's worried. Why is he worried? I don't know. He thinks, uh, where, where, where are you going to go? Huh? Everything's beautiful. It's beautiful. 
Oh, here comes that fucking prick, Maury. Hey, hey, Joe, can I, can I talk to you? Wait, what? what shit. Oh, I forgot De Niro's name. What is it? Oh, my God. What's the matter with me? Henry, Tommy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on. Oh, I know you're all saying it. You're going like, what? It's, it's, it's Conway, Jim. Jimmy. Jimmy's been an incredible ball buster. I didn't agree to pay four and a half points on the points. I didn't agree to pay that kind of money on the points. Jimmy's been an unconscionable ball buster. Uh, there was a picture of the legendary Wid. I just keep... I, I'm obsessed with the Wid, obviously, even though it could have gotten me kicked out of uh, <laughs> the Comedy Cellar. And I looked up a picture of him online. He's got a picture with him and the kid who played Henry Hill in Goodfellas, we think. It must be from a while ago or something because he looks really young. The kid who played Hen- the young Henry Hill in Goodfellas. And he is... He's holding a fish up to his head, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And he, it was, he was resting his head. It, he was sleeping with the fish. <laughs> well, uh, and then he's got this one uh, new gag where he, new gag, where he's got um, a baby and then a, a border collie dog and a watermelon. <laughs> and he holds the three up, and he goes... Uh, Hey, you are my melancholy baby. <laughs> what is the matter with people? Why, what? You don't find that hilarious? Oh, my God. You know, the people that find that hilarious, well, thank you. I don't, I just, how am I friends with people that don't find that funny? How can I live on a planet where people do not find that funny? <laughs> And the worst part is I'm crying laughing at just a stupid photo of him resting his head on a fish, sleeping with the fishes. The most obvious fucking thing. I'm crying laughing at the photo yesterday in my office. I don't know what it is about this guy that I find so funny. I mean, I'm telling you, meet him in person. He's not very funny. <laughs> but those bits he makes up are so stupid. It's so brilliant. Oh, I don't, I don't even know how I would put him on the podcast because I don't know what I would say. Um, I'd just be like, you are so stupid, but you are the greatest. <laughs> I don't know. Why? I, so I was looking up dates. I want to see him again. I want to see a full show. I felt I was gypped at my own birthday, you know, because people were booing and I had to get him off early. <laughs> I don't know what's funnier than that. I mean, really, there's really nothing funnier than that. There's honestly nothing funnier. I think everybody's lost their mind. Everybody's clearly lost their mind. Everybody's clearly lost their mind. The sexual harassment stuff. Uh, How about this one today? Today. There's a a drama teacher. Looks kind of sexy, too. She's been uh, at the theater arts city, uh, the teacher, the theater arts teacher for the city's department of education, who also doubles as an actress and comedian. You know she's probably horrible. Her name is Karen Scott. Galeer. I don't know her. Okay, so she used, she said, yo nigga, 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 with the A, as part of an onstage performance. She's an actress. Now, in reading this entire art, now that the, the, the community's in an uproar because this teacher used the uh, whatever N-word. Now, unless, unless, uh, this, this is driving me insane. She used it in a piece like she was doing her, her one person show who apparently, you know, we'd always make fun of one person shows. But 
the story is uh let me I want to get the wording correct. It it's like an award winning off this claims this to the audience in the one woman off Broadway. Right, okay, well it's off Broadway, whatever. Uh okay, in the YouTube video, Scalari is seen on stage performing her twenty fifteen award winning audio autobiographical show, Ripple of Hope, One Teacher's Journey to Make an Impact. Inspired in her time working as a drama teacher in the South Bronx. Well, what the fuck do you think she's going to say? No, they're all like, well, excuse me, Miss Miss Karen. Well, I was wondering if I, do you think theater is the way for me to go? Well, I was looking, I, I know I'm, I know I'm very young, but I was thinking of maybe making a career in the arts. And your take on that, do you think? Well, how the fuck are they going to take? They, they live in the South Bronx. So she says the line is, she's commenting on what the kid's saying. They're so cute. This is her saying. I notice all the kids in their first day of school outfits. They're so cute. I see this one pint-sized cutie with a little bow tie tap his friend on the shoulder and say, yo, nigga, what's poppin'? Sclair says to the audience in the one-woman act, as roars or laughter are heard. So what does she say? What is she supposed to say? The kid never said that? The kid never... She's quoting one of her students and is not saying, hey, nigger, fuck you, nigger. I mean, she's saying... First, she's saying nigger. And second, she's using it as a quote that one of her students said. Have everybody gone insane? I think she's allowed to say it. She's probably a horrible comic. This is somebody I would never take her side like that horrible Asian comic who was making fun of Dave Cross. But I think we got to take this side. You're not allowed to do anything anymore. You're not allowed to comment on your, your students who talk that way. Is it her fault that they talk that way? Is that what they're saying? Because that's maybe a side I can take. Are they blaming her because this guy doesn't know how to talk like a human? What's popping, nigga? Because an eight-year-old is saying that? Are they blaming her for that? Because that's maybe something I can wrap my teeth around. But if you're just imitating one of your kids, and that's her show, there's probably more. I mean, if that's what she's saying, and it's one word in the whole goddamn show, and the show is called Trying to Make an Impact, maybe she really is trying to help. We don't know. And everybody's in an outrage because they saw it on a YouTube thing. My God. Wouldn't you be happy if your teacher's actually working? I don't know. As I'm saying it, I'm like, am I, am I racist? Am I racist? Is this, is, this, is this my problem? Is I, am I not seeing it the right way? But I disagree. I think everybody's just a little out of control. There's an article today about... Dustin Hoffman groping this woman in Death of a Salesman. Now, you know what? She's probably completely correct. Every time he was on Broadway with her, he would mess her up. Like, he would grab her tits before she went on stage and, like, completely messed up her form. She never mentioned it before. Now she's mentioning it. This is a good one. But it's just fucked. You know, it's all just flooding. It's flooding. So it just appears like, you know, you're immediately, I'm a man. Immediately, I see the front page of the post. I'm like, oh, no, Dustin Hoffman, what is this? What is this whore claiming? Yes, yes, that's what I say. What is this whore claiming? Then I read the thing, and I'm like, hey, he's an asshole. I believe what she's saying. I don't know why. 
I believe her. I truly believe her. Everything she said sounds completely real and something he would do. And I think it might even have something to do with the character he's playing. You know how Dustin Hoffman gets into that method acting? And, in fact, she even says to him, you know, hey, Mr. Method Guy, you think it's not fucking me up when you start doing that before I got to go on stage, two seconds before I go on? Um, Maybe because he's playing Willie Loman, you know, the biggest loser in all of theater history acting. He maybe he feels he has to do that to remember who he is before he goes on and it helps him perform. So unfortunately, this girl wasn't told of this is how he's going to uh, bring the performance every night and still knowing he's a man in really getting into this loser character. I bet you that has something to do with it. But unfortunately, the girl was never told that's how we're going to do this. So another thing. But I mean, just everything is falling apart. Al Franken resigning. I hate that he's resigning. I hate it. Um, I'd like to know more information on his doings because I like Al Franken. Uh, you know, you got this guy, this Roy Moore guy. Now he needs to go, right? I mean, we've heard too many things. That's little girls and that's uh, a no-no. And he just, I mean, where is this guy going? What's he going to do in the Senate? What, what's he going to do? But Al Franken's a good man in a sense of he wants to help. And I think he was going to make a presidential run, and I would have voted for him. I wish I could have. I wish he would have stuck it out a little more. And as for, you know, he didn't apologize. I mean, he apologized a little, but he was like, I'm I'm mad. He just got out quick. It's unfortunate. I liked him. I thought he was good. He's obviously... I want to say very bright, but maybe he's not too bright. I don't know. You know, I'm an idiot, but I don't do that. I want to say, you know, have I ever been in a position of power? And remember, power is, uh, you know, you could be the power. You can hold power in your community theater. You know, it doesn't just because these are high profile power. You know, I've, I've certainly held power positions in you know, my community in many ways. And, you know, we, we keep talking about it and the, the casting stuff that I've done and everything. But I don't think I've ever, you know, in that position, like, done anything like that. Or maybe, I, I mean, I definitely have a picture with me holding onto a girl's boob, but, yeah, I mean, she loves it. You know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> but I wasn't trying to, I mean, we weren't working together. It was a girl I was dating. So it's, it's okay, I, I think. Oh, now I'm second-guessing everything. We all are. Now, how do you even date somebody? How do you even go out on a date with somebody? You're probably so uptight. But I don't know, you know, I mean, that's, uh, oh, God, it's just so confusing. But I got to say, I mean, we talk about it every week. Now, how can you not? It's very entertaining. Watching one go down after the other. Good men, bad men, people I like a lot, people I respect a lot. And just it's just very exciting. Uh, every day who's going to be it uh, the problem is I mean I, I haven't talked to Sarah Silverman yet there's like five of her friends on this list we haven't spoken but you know we've talked we, we're going to talk and she's been working on her show I don't, I don't know whether she's mentioned more than Louis on her show I mean I assume she has to mention Al Franken too for God I've been haven't been catching up but in January we'll have a big talk about this see what uh, her opinion is I'd be very curious God I'd love to have her back on the show and talk about it 
if she'd be open and forthcoming about it, uh, that'd be interesting. But sometimes I hate having her on the show because obviously we have different political views. But uh, if we could talk about that, and especially, you know, if I go into a rant about it, I'm like, yeah, but this girl, like, no, no, you know, that's just, just ugh, it's a disaster for everybody. So, um, just, uh, you know, a couple other uh, things we were talking about. Uh, uh, God, I got uh, carried away. Uh, last week's show with Larry Moss and Vincent Masso was, I thought, really interesting. Now, I don't know what you guys think about it. I, you know, I think the my usual, you know, I got my, my show tune Broadway people who I'm sure must have loved it. And then there were the others. I, you know, I don't like a casual listener. Uh, I think they did like it. Uh, you know, I don't think it was their favorite. I, I loved it. I, I just thought he was so interesting. Uh, would I have liked him talking to the microphone more? Ugh. Yes. So I overpower, which of course is better because I hate when the guests overpower me, but it's uneven and you know that drives me insane. I can hear me, you know, so then it looks like I really am talking. You know, I know I talk a lot, but I definitely let him talk more than usual than I let my, my other guests talk. But he's so quiet, which is fine, but he wouldn't talk into the mic. And I tried everything. I turned it up and then I was like, am I turning it up too much? Is there static? I, you know, he can't do when it's happening. I don't want to ruin it. And I say to myself, oh, I'll fix it in post. Oh, well, I don't know how to fix it in post. Who am I? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of that uh, woman who worked. I can't even come up with it. That woman who worked for Martin Scorsese, that famous editor that everybody thought was his mom at the Academy Awards. <laughs> she's edited everything, but I think she's dead now. Thelma Schoomacher or something like that. <laughs> oh, my Thelma Schoomacher. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to my mind. But... Uh, who am I, Memo Salazar? Actually, I was going to send it to Memo. I'm like, can you even this out somehow? Because this stinks. I'm angry at myself, you know. Plus, um, oh, I got this thing wrong, and it drives me crazy. I, he was talking about My Fair Lady coming back to Broadway, or I was, and I said Jason Mraz. And Jason Mraz is coming a waitress. God, I hate that guy so much. It, it conflicted. I wanted to say it so much that I hate him uh, that, uh, oh, I messed up, and you know, make everybody look foolish. Uh, but I, I love the podcast. I like his passion. I really do. So anyway, I watched the DVD that he was promoting, uh, which, you know, which was great because at first I was like, am I going to like this? But it's short. It's only like 45, 50 minutes. And, and then there's some extras. So it's great because I thought it was going to be two hours. And I'm like, I don't know if I can hang two hours. With it. But the length that it is actually makes it completely worthwhile watching. Uh, so I taped a couple of the scenes uh, because, you know, I, I wanted to see it. You know, we, you and I all love the Tootsie scene. We played it that day. I don't think I need to play it again. Uh, but it was interesting. So there, you know, it's him and James L. Brooks, James L. Brooks. And they're sitting there watching these two actors. Uh, one good looking guy who's probably going and one, um, Girl, who I thought uh, you like, maybe a little older, very, but become, I think she might be one a great actress because one of those actresses, like, like, <laughs> how can I put this so it doesn't sound ridiculous? Um, I saw a play called The Tale of the Allergist's Wife, uh, which maybe sometimes I talk about, written by Charles Bush, who I believe is a transvestite, and it was with Tony Roberts. That's why I went, 
uh, and it starred Linda Lavin and Michelle Lee. And uh, Tony Robertson, and I'll never forget the end line in the first act is, I feel like I'm in the middle of a Playboy centerfold. Hello? <laughs> oh, he's the greatest. Uh, he's the best. So I'm watching, and I'm like, Linda Lavin is so gross. I've never found her attractive. Why would I find Linda Lavin attractive? I've never, never found TV's Alice attractive, ever. I'm talking about in the 70s when there was nothing to masturbate to. She was not, you know, when you're, when you, when you, all you have is you, you, maybe you're so hard up because there was no internet porn, you might be masturbating to Wilma and Betty from the Flintstones because that's how bad it is. You, you're mag- you, I'm masturbating to a small cover of People magazine with Cheryl Teagues on the left-hand corner because she has her legs out. Do you, do you understand how difficult it was being a boy? There was nothing. <laughs> now it's no wonder everybody's having sexual problems. They have to. They can't apply supply enough Viagra. It's so easy. All the stuff that was in my head that I used to masturbate to is like it's now out there. It's like somebody thought of it. It's unbelievable. They're in my head. I could go online and it's it's right there. It's amazing. It's a miracle. I, 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 I can't believe it sometimes. I can't believe I live in a day and age where this has happened. <laughs> so I'm saying, Linda Lavin was one of those, I'm like, nah, no, nah, no, nah, that's never happening. That's never happening. She was such a good actress. In The Tale of the Angelus Wife, by the second act, I was becoming attracted to her. Now that's good acting. That is good acting. Well, that's what this girl did. In, uh... In Larry Moss's process, this woman, I, I don't know her name. Uh, they mention it. Um, she, you know, I was like, oh, I thought she'd be a little sexier. And then uh, through the process, through the process, she kind of, you know, they had this like kissing scene and stuff. And it's like, like Larry was telling us and it gets hot. And then all of a sudden I have a completely different uh, feeling about her. She really is a good actress. So. The thing is, they're they're sitting there. They do it. We've talked about it. They do it six different ways. The scene from Tootsie where he's teaching her, you know, about the thing and the fact they go into the thing. But let's let's just play one of them and see what where this goes. I just taped off the TV. And action. You're wrong, Doctor Brewster. I'm very proud of being a woman. Sandy, wait. This guy is treating you like dirt. Why? Because he's a doctor and you're a woman and he can get away with it. Stand up for yourself. Get your juices going. Show me what you mean. You're wrong, Dr. Brewster. I'm very proud of being a woman. I can't do it as good as you. Yes, you can. Turn the tables on me, but do it in your own way. Dr. Brewster, I'm very proud of being a woman. Where am I off? I can't tell what you're playing. I'm playing rage. I, I, I'm, I'm enraged. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to turn the tables. Isn't that what you said? That's rage? I have a problem with anger. Well, you certainly have, but there are a hundred other actresses reading for this part who don't. Don't get mad at me. Then stop being a doormat. I'm not a doormat. Now, go now. You're wrong, Dr. Brewster. 
I'm very proud of being a woman. More. But I'm also proud of this hospital. And before I let it be destroyed by your petty tyranny... Have the anger, but don't show it. I will recommend to the board that you be turned out into the street. Good day, Dr. Brewster. You're a second-rate whining actress. I said good day! <laughs> Getting there. Did you feel how much I hated you? Yes, in fact. Why do you think I'm leaving? Oh, wait, wait a minute. You can't go. How am I going to get it back tomorrow? I can't ask a total stranger to enrage me. What time is your audition? 11. Okay. I will pick you up at 10 and enrage you. Cut. Uh, Tape in front of a live audience. Tape in front of a live audience. So they let it run the first time. Now, the next couple times they do it, Larry just keeps cutting in. He's like, all right, stop. Or, or he just keeps yelling stuff out. And it, at first, you're like getting annoyed. I'm like, why doesn't he let them do it or whatever? But then when you see the finished product, you're like, wow. It, it, it's really interesting. The whole time I was getting annoyed. I'm like, oh, my God, just stop and leave them alone. But what he was talking about on the, pro- on the, on the podcast made so much sense at the end of the DVD, I was kind of blown away. Like, uh, at first, I was so annoyed by everything they would do. There too much paperwork, too much, um, you know, you can hear the papers crumbling. There too much. But they they worked out, and like he said, you have to, it, it sounded so ridiculous if, you, if you're not into the craft of acting that you have to strip it down and, get it all bare boned and then build. And that is the only way in its nakedness. You know, you can, it sounds ridiculous. Not when he says it, but if, uh, you know, some kid, you know, that stinks as an actor says it. Uh, but boy, it, it's when, if you ever watch the DVD, it really, it, it works. You, you can see the process working. It's a, it's a really terrific DVD. I got to say, here's the scene where he does the kiss, which uh, I thought was kind of fun. Where am I off? Tell what you're playing! I'm playing Rage! I'm in Rage! That's Rage? Go, go, Alex, go! That's Rage? Go! I have a problem with anger! You certainly have, but there are a hundred other actresses reading for this part who don't! Don't get mad at me! Then stop being a doormat! I'm not a doormat! No. Now, you're wrong, now. Dr. Brewster! I'm very proud of being a woman, but I am also proud of this hospital. You have the rage, but don't show it. And before I let you be turned out into the street, no, and I am going to recommend that you be turned out into the street. Kiss it. But uh, you can hear Larry screaming. He's like, kiss her. And it's so funny. Um, you know, is that in this day and age, is, is that bad? That somebody, you know, technically yelling out from the audience, kiss her. <laughs> kiss her, you homo. 
<laughs> uh, but uh, you can hear the audience loving every minute of it. Isn't it funny? Uh, they're laughing so hard. And, you know, it's one of those things. If I was in that audience, I, I'd probably be enjoying it. But I'd probably be angry that they're laughing so hard at such nonsense, you know, when... You know, as a comedian, you try so hard to really struggle for those laughs, and you hear they're just laughing because the, the the girl read her lines again after kissing the guy. <laughs> I mean, it's but it was uh, it's fun. So here's the this the the after all after they get through all the stuff, it it it, it works out. It's uh, I you know at least in my mind. I can't do it as good as you. Yes. You can! Turn the tables on me! Do it in your own way. You're wrong, Dr. Brewster. I'm very proud of being a woman. Where am I off? I can't tell what you're playing! I'm playing rage. I'm enraged. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to turn the tables. That's, that's, that's rage? I have a problem with anger. You certainly have, but there are a hundred other actresses waiting for this part who don't. Don't get mad at me. Then stop being a doormat. I'm not a doormat. No, go now. You're wrong, Dr. Brewster. I'm very proud of being a woman. More. But I'm also proud of this hospital. And before I let it be destroyed by your Heavy anger, but don't show it, don't show it. <laughs> I will recommend to the board that you be turned out into the street. Good day, Dr. Brewster. You're a second-rate waiting actress. I said good day. <laughs> Getting there. Did you feel how much I hated you? Yes, in fact. Why do you think I'm leaving? Wait a minute. You can't leave. How am I going to get it back tomorrow? I can't ask a total stranger to enrage me. What time is your audition? 11. Okay. I will pick you up at 10 and enrage you. Mm. You know, what's wonderful about that, I really, is that it all came together. And what's so great for the directors to see is how much by working a scene, you can layer it. So with uh, Jason and Barnett and you all working on it, you did a great service to this class. Yeah, Larry, he's so adorable. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think you can tell by listening to it. I let it play out because I thought maybe there was something I was missing, but you can't tell what I was talking about really until you see it. I do recommend watching the DVD if you ever get a chance. If anybody still gets DVDs, I did. I did do uh, an hour of updates on my Xbox One to uh, play the uh, Blu-ray, but uh, I don't know. It's kind of worth it. Uh, meanwhile, the entire time, of course, I could not stop thinking about, you know, when they first started doing it because, you know, I was missing the actual scene so much. I, I couldn't stop thinking of this scene. You're a thinking person. How can you choose this lifestyle? What is so incredibly great about New York? It's a dying city. You, you read Death in Venice. You didn't read Death in Venice till I gave it to you. Well, you only give me books with the word death in the title. It's an important issue. Artie, you are totally incapable of enjoying life. You're like New York. You're an island. Okay. If that's all that we've been through together means to you, I guess it's better if we just said goodbye once and for all. 
You know, it's funny, after all the serious talks and passionate moments, that it ends here, in a health food restaurant on Sunset Boulevard. Goodbye, Sally. Wait. I'm, I'm gonna go with you. I love you. What do you want? It was my first play. You know, you, you know how you're always trying to get things to come out perfect in art because uh, it's real difficult in life. Interestingly, however, I did run into Annie again. I was on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. She had moved back to New York. She was living in Soho with some guy. And when I met her, she was, of all things, dragging him in to see the sorrow and the pity, which I counted as a personal triumph. And Annie and I... Uh, I let it play because I, <laughs> I can't get enough. Yeah, from Annie Hall when he's... Uh... Do when he has two other actors playing him and Diane Keaton uh, from their scene in the restaurant, which I believe was this one. You look very pretty. Oh no, I just lost a little weight. That's all. Well, you look nice. I've been thinking about it, and I think that we should get married. Oh well, be come on. Why, you want to live out here all you say? It's like living in Munchkin land. What? What do you mean? I mean, it's perfectly fine out here. I mean, Tony's very nice. And, uh, well, I meet people and I go to parties and, and we play tennis. I mean, that's, that's a very big step for me, you know? I mean, I'm able to enjoy people more. What are you, what? You're not going to come back to New York? What's so great about New York? I mean, it's a dying city. You read Death in Venice. You didn't read Death in Venice till I bought it for you. That's right, that's right. You only gave me books with the word death in the title. That's right, because it's an important issue. Alvy, you're incapable of enjoying life, you know that? I mean, you're like New York City. You're just this person. You're like this island unto yourself. I can't enjoy anything unless I, unless everybody is. I, you know, if one guy is starving someplace, that's, you know, I, I puts a crimp in my evening. So, and then, of course, there's two other actors play it at the end. Uh, God, a great movie. But uh, that's what I was thinking of when I was watching uh, the Larry Moss one because I can't help myself. I, can, I, I always just connect things to other things. That's just the way it works. What do you want me to do about them? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? Oh, my God. Um, I just found this. Are you ready for this? Controversy over a white deer details at 11. Tonight, Aloha! Meet Charlie's newest angel in a three-hour movie special in exotic Hawaii. Should we spend the day at the beach or at the pool? <laughs> She's a street-smart beauty who knows how to handle trouble. Now you got a cute act and a real flash title. But you know what? I'm not impressed. And she finds plenty of it. Hey, such tough talk. I'm such a... When Charlie sends the angels to his office in paradise for a spectacular island adventure, a deadly trail of drugs, murder, and revenge. You killed my wife. A deadly trail of drugs, murder, and revenge. With special guest stars Jack Albertson, Gary Frank, Cameron Mitchell, Nick Morrow, Jane Wyman, Christopher Lee, and introducing Charlie's newest angel... Who do you think it is? <laughs> Who do you think it is? Who do you think the newest angel is worthy of that guest star lineup? Jack Albertson and Vic Morrow? What? And Christopher Lee? What? Tanya Roberts. 
It's Tanya Roberts for the great... What? <laughs> Can we say that again? She what? I haven't gotten to the best part yet. Hold your horses. It's triple the glamour, triple the excitement, triple the danger. In the special three-hour season premiere of Charlie's Angels. So did you, did you hear? Did you hear what he said? Did you hear? No, you didn't hear wrong. The special, what? Three-hour premiere of Charlie's Angels? Three hours? What? I have probably saw that episode when I was growing up, but I can even guarantee, as we were talking about before, where there was no masturbatory material, probably did not, could not sit through all three hours of that, if I saw it at all, because by that time it was so over. They had already replaced five of the angels already. Well, so it just went, I don't have it listed, it's just up and down. I mean, we know we got rid of Farrah Fawcett really early, and they just, Cheryl Ladd was very smart and stayed with the show the whole way, so her and Jacqueline Smith, and then, they, but right, so then they replaced, didn't they just bring on Shelly Hack after that, and then Tanya Roberts, wasn't that it? Shelly Hack, who was in Annie Hall, what? How'd she get that? And and then how did Tanya Roberts become a Bond girl in A View to a Kill? And then how did uh, Priscilla Barnes, who played Terry on Three's Company, get in a Bond movie at all in License to Kill? What's happening? What what happened in the in the eighties? Everything went kablooey. So maybe things aren't so bad. Because the 80s were crazy too. In a completely different way. Three hours. Three hours. They don't even take off their tops. Three hours of danger. <laughs> That's sick. Three. What network exact? We're going to make it triple the action. Triple the ladies and triple the hours. Was that Freddie Freddie Silverman, the one who came up with uh, Maudlin of the Night? I mean, seriously, who came up with that idea? No, we'll go bigger. Three hours. Nothing should be three hours. Titanic is three hours, and that was up until like uh, two years ago, the highest grossing film of all time. The Godfather is three hours. Charlie's Angels is also three hours. So you got The Godfather, Titanic, Godfather 2, probably one of those idiot Lord of the Rings ones, ironically with Christopher Lee, yes? And the Charlie's Angels three-hour season premiere with Tanya Roberts. Well, you know, you probably need an hour to set up Tanya Roberts' introduction. You definitely need a new hour for that. Uh, then probably an hour after that, you set up the... The worst part is, you know they're not taking an hour. They're putting two minutes of time into that, and then the rest is the plot, and those plots were horrible. And they are unwatchable, and they do not hold up in any way. Three hours? Now I want to watch it. Now I feel like I must watch that. Three hours? We, you... The, the, why not just break it up into a three-part episode you know wouldn't that be 
Maybe that's what they did. Maybe it was supposed to they filmed it like they did. It was three hours. Maybe they just knew it was going off the air. I because what what else is three hours? What is the, the Ten Commandments? That's <laughs> three hours. That was like like Roots was like that. You know those miniseries. It was like, it was like a Charlie's Angels miniseries. Why not just make it? Two hours each night. Put it on the four thirty movie. Show an hour. Show a whole hour of it for then a new half hour every day. The f- what were they thinking? I got to find out, and I didn't do enough research this week because I didn't know I was going to play that. I just saw it. I knew I had it, and I wanted to play it for you. And uh, I got to find out. What else was on that year and what it was going against? We're assuming it was in September, so they're just starting. Or maybe it was like a they started. Who knows? I got to find out more info. I got to find out what was on that season and if ABC, like that was the end for them, which I'm assuming it was. Assuming Charlie's Angels probably went off around 81, 82. That was the end of ABC's huge reign. You know, Happy Days, The Vernon Shirley, Welcome Back, Cotter, Three's Company, A love boat. Everything for ABC. All that stuff, whoever that was, and I think it was Fred Silverman, ended around that time. So I think it was just so obvious that was the end. And then they were never heard from again. Until the late 80s, when they had Dynasty. How are you? Uh, One of the... uh, There's this actress I'm going to have on the podcast at some point. She unfortunately lives in California. Her name is Amanda Detmer, and I met her last Saturday at a lovely party at the Ascent Lounge at the Time Warner Center. I dressed, I was watching College Game Day, and I put on a suit and tie at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, drove to my mother's house, spent some time with her, and then went to the party. So I had to dress up for the party at 1 o'clock in the afternoon for a party that doesn't start until like 7.30. But it was a classy party. All class. Real class. It was a really good party, I got to say. You know, obviously, you know, free booze and everything. But the food, the food was excellent. And they just kept it coming. They just kept it coming. You didn't have to, no buffet shit. Just people carrying around different things. They had the sea bass, which was amazing. You know, it was, it was perfect, and the drinks were flowing. They had a photographer there. I took a couple of shots. It was fun. This girl, Amanda Demer, she's oof, she's hot. She's been in a bunch of movies. Uh, basically, I guess known for Saving Silverman, and um, why? Well, oh, and uh, Final Destination. So we've probably all seen her a hundred times. Didn't know her name. Very much like the David Katz uh, show with the the Carney Awards. Um, I don't know if she's considered a character actress, but uh, she's certainly done a lot of work. I don't think she does that much anymore. Uh, she lives out in Northern California, but we're supposed to make a plan. She does want to do the podcast. I'd love to have her on. I mean, having a working actress like somebody like that who's done a lot of stuff in her career and is just really, really pretty. And she was really pretty at the party, too. And she was a little drunk and dancing around. She looked good. Uh, I met her brother, who's very nice, an actor as well, but uh, got out of the business, had a couple of kids, maybe regretting it now. We'll talk about, oh, but the best part is Amanda's also cool. Uh, 
She likes to talk, which is good. Um, that'll be good. Uh, you'll see why when we finally do get her on the show. Um, we talked about Dave and Gilbert coming on. Oh, uh, wisdom of the crowd. Uh, when I made my predictions at the top of the year, I could probably get a clip, but who cares? Told you it would be canceled. I told you that Jeremy, P- Jeremy Piven is a hated person now. First thing canceled on CBS, Wisdom of the Crowd. I told you it was a stupid name, stupid premise. Everything about it was stupid. Can't believe they if, all the money they spent just putting money on buses and advertisements. Uh, they could have given to a small town. Yeah, that's the thing. Why don't you let? Why don't you tell me what the show is? You tell me the money that's going into. I'm only saying into advertising it. Let me take that money and give it to some worthy charity. And I'll because I'll tell you whether you're going anywhere with this. What have I been wrong twice? Wisdom of the crowd. What are you a fucking idiot? Your title alone sunk the thing. Then you got this jackass Jeremy Piven in it, who people usually like, but now people hate him. And now it's sexual harassment. Before it's just being a pussy and mercury poisoning. This guy is just trying to ruin his career any way he can. Yet, still a good actor. Also, uh, a friend of mine, Sam Cedar, got a lot of shit this week. Got fired from MSNBC. He's just got a podcast. You know, him and Sarah have those same kind of views. Some of us don't, eh, you know, maybe a little too much for me. Still like him. Known him for a very long time. Got in trouble over a tweet he sent out in 2009. And let me tell you something. Who the hell was tweeting in 2009? That's pretty prolific. I didn't even know it was around that long. 2009, he sent a tweet. A hilarious tweet about Roman Polanski. I can't pronounce the last word because I'm not classy, but it's a very smart, intelligent tweet. And he said, don't care, Ray Polanski, but I hope if my daughter is ever raped, it is by an older, truly talented man with a great sense of missing I know I'm not pronouncing it correctly. I'm an idiot, but I know what the word means. And... It's a very smarmy quote, and I think it's really funny, and I think we've, you know, oh, we're going to be raped, at least, you know, the guy there, you know, did Rosemary's Baby. He's, I mean, it's a joke, and I don't, did he, yeah, he had a daughter at that point, so he has a daughter and he's saying it. It's not like he doesn't have a daughter, so he doesn't understand. Everybody's got to relax. They got to relax. 2009, somebody went digging for this. Can you imagine? This guy's just trying to make a living. Lost all his money on uh, a feature he was doing a long time ago, I think I told you, where uh, H. John Benjamin, the legendary voiceover artist, uh, was blowing up the World Trade Center. was a mailman who was going to blow up the World Trade Center. He put all his money into this movie, and then the World Trade Center blew up without the movie, you know, and then he's like, uh-oh. He was like the... Uh, Vaughn Vaughn Meter of uh, September 11th. You know, Vaughn Meter, I think, is the right name of the guy that used to do the JFK invitation. And then in 1963, you know, Lenny, uh, Lenny, who's the comedian? Um, I want to say Lenny Marcus. That's why I'm getting confused. Uh, And Lenny Hirsch, who's a friend of mine from uh, high school, of course. Uh, (laughs) um, Oh, my God, who's the famous comedian? Duh. Some Jewy, some Jewy guy. Uh, I'm an idiot. Uh, like he's legendary. Okay, now I feel stupid in two levels. 
Uh, anyway, Lenny Bruce, holy cow, if I had for, oh, that was going to drive me crazy. Anyway, Lenny Bruce gets on stage, you know, November 24th, uh, 1963, says, uh, we really got to feel bad for his uh, Von Meter, whose career ended today as well, uh, because he did JFK Invitation, and his career was over, and everybody makes fun of it. Uh, if anybody knew who Sam Cedar was, you know, he's sitting there watching the Twin Towers with his mouth open for a completely different reason. He's like, this is not going to look good on my resume. Well, let me see. So there was one other thing I wanted to get to. Oh, uh, did you see the Carol Burnett 50th anniversary show? Um, it, uh, I watched the whole thing. It, it was good and bad at the same time because I, yeah, you know, Howard Stern was talking about it too. It's so funny. Uh, made me happy. He was talking about everything I watched. God, how do I not love that guy? Talking about the DC crossover, which was amazing. With the 53 Earths and the Nazi Earth, uh, with all four of the Flash, DC, Stars of Tomorrow, whatever that stupid show is, Arrow, and Supergirl. Boy, that was terrific, um, a little crossover they had. But he was talking about the Carol Burnett show, and, but he had a different, he was just talking about Jay Leno on it. So they had a lot of people on, she was just sitting in a chair and talking. They just showed a couple of clips. They did it the right way, but uh, you know those clips aren't as funny as I remember them. The, but there's no uh, escaping the fact that she is a living legend, uh, but now she just, uh, I don't know, you know, she's old. Uh, but here's the thing. So she has uh, Martin Short on, she has Jay Leno, she has Jim Carrey, uh, I don't know, a bunch of people, and Maya Rudolph, I'm all in agreement with all these people. Bill Hader has really great, I mean, you know, they're giving the tributes. And then they have Kaylee Kuko on. So I'm saying to my now, Kaylee Kuko, I think, is maybe 32. So what, what does that make you born at? In the 80s? There's no way she was a fan of Carol Burnett. There's no way Carol Burnett had any influence on her. I think you got to be at least 40. So, okay, I say to myself, well... I guess she's on that show because she's a huge CBS star, and that's the reason. But then they gave her this line that says, well, I remember, and I'm like, what? Who's writing this? Because the best thing to do would just be like, you know, I was, don't say I'm too young because that's insulting, but just say, say something else. We know why you're on the show. You're CBS's biggest star. It's a fact. Kelly Kuko, whatever you like her or not, however, you know, stupid, if you hate that, I mean, I love the show, right? Uh, she's CBS's biggest star. So to have her on is a complete tribute. They should have had Bill Maher on because he performs in her studio every week. So I don't know why he wasn't represented. Maybe he was on vacation. Um, but that was that was kind of cool. They had Stephen Colbert, Kristen Cheno. They, they were this, the place in New York at the Ed Sullivan Theater. So they did a nice tribute. And it was, and it got uh, the reason I bring it up. It got uh, fifteen point two million viewers, uh, which was very impressed, very impressive. So I was happy for her, you know, because she is a living legend. It's a fact, and that stuff. I mean, what else was there back then for us? You know, I was thinking, Carol Burnett was the shit, right? I knew that's what I wanted to do. I knew that's all I wanted to do because it was singing and dancing and comedy, right? So it was perfect for me, perfect for me. And I'll never forget if I was on that show, I would have been like, God. The worst parts were when she went on break in the summer and they would air reruns of Mission Impossible. Now, Mission Impossible is always a good show, but I wanted Carol Burnett made me feel good. Saturday nights at 10, they even did a song called Saturday nights at 10, 
because they'd never put a show like that on Saturday nights at 10 when nobody cares when anything's on anymore. But it, it was important because there just was nothing else. And to put on Mission Impossible as your as what you can only watch in the summer. Boy, what a it was a bummer. It was just like the worst and you get depressed. And like I said, I enjoyed Mission Impossible, but I didn't want it Saturday nights at 10 after a full lineup of comedy. That sucked. And it was it made summers really depressing waiting. You know, you just had to wait for Cowboy to come back and wait for a brand new show or even a goddamn repeat. For Christ's sakes, I'll never forget. I'm like, oh, this blows. I wasn't in the mood for a crime drama at 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday night because my parents were out and I was afraid to be in the dark. All right. All right. I said it. That's what made Saturday Night Live so important because that was on late at night and I was afraid to go to bed. So there was a live production going on when I was home and it made me feel safe. Yeah, it made me feel safe. It's probably the reason I moved to New York. But really, though, until for me, I mean, Saturday Night Live was, you know, better than Carol Burnett, just, you know, more edgy in that sense. But really, until SCTV, I, I thought Carol Burnett was the greatest. And then, and then I thought Saturday Night Live was the greatest. And then SCTV, just for me, uh, personally blew everything away. Because then when you saw, for me, when I saw, you know, you see SNL, and I didn't understand a lot of the humor. I was just too young for the political stuff and the drug humor. But... So I only like the other stuff. But with SCTV, I understood, for some reason, more intellectual humor. And they certainly didn't even... They, and they were less intellectual than Saturday Night Live. And yet there was something so much smarter to me about SCTV humor and the way they would parody. It was less in your face as it was in Carol Burnett and Saturday Night Live. It was more like real and you really there was a a huge subtext to SCTV that again spoke more to me which is probably why I'm not successful because (laughs) SCTV wasn't as successful as those two shows because it was all subtext you know besides the you know the nonsense which is obvious everything about it was just you know the way they would let stuff play out and you know, the things they would do and like when, when we play and, you know, next time maybe we'll play the second half of that clip with Bob Hope and Martin Short. That's the only thing I have to play to, to teach you if you don't know already and if you didn't know about the subtext of SCTV. I'll just play the second half of Martin Short interviewing Dave Thomas playing Bob Hope because I'm telling you, we may never see the likes of that again and then nobody... Nobody ever did that, and nobody ever will do that on Saturday Night Live because they won't give it the time. And they 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 won't trust their audience to be okay with it. To sit there for eight minutes and watch a phony interview where you realize a guy is just doing, two guys are doing just great impressions. One a made up one, and then one of an impression of somebody we know that is so good and so well done and he's so on point of doing him. He has so much knowledge in his head and information of what he might say that that's why it's so good. Somebody should do that with Bill Hader doing like Alan Alda or something or whatever he does. Bill Hader would be the guy that could probably pull that off. 
I told you I'm doing that album. I don't know Bill Hader, but I wish I did because I would call him and say, why don't we do this? Why don't we just make an album where we're interviewing all your characters? He's good. And you know, of course, who would be the most brilliant person to be would be that guy, Sour Shoes from Howard Stern. Oh, my God. I mean, that guy's got so... If he was just normal... I mean, Howard talks about this all the time. If he was just normal, the things that guy does, the, the not it's not just the impressions. It's not the impressions. It's the knowledge. It's the the the... The, the the text that he has to say of the character, the the backstory and the and the you know the 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 writing, he knows so much when he's doing Mike Francesa or Mandor. He knows about sports when he's doing somebody else. He knows about he knows about his subject and he has all this dialogue. It's that's all not even written down. But if you write it down, then it's not so bad. That's the question. If I ever get to meet Dave Thomas one day, actually, I suppose. I will get to meet Martin Short again soon if he forgives me for the first time we met. And I'm going to ask him, was that written? Of course it must have been. But let's find out. Because I'll tell you, if that wasn't written, if they they just had points like in Curb Your Enthusiasm, then that makes Dave Thomas as much of a genius as Martin Short. And, you know, Dave Thomas gets a short stick a lot of times. But uh, Jesus Christ, those guys. Oh, boy. They were the best. I guess that's it for today, right? I don't know. I can't think of anything else. I mean, I probably could, but I think we've... I did a much longer show than I thought I would today, not feeling a little under the weather. And it... uh, But I got to go out and do some stuff. We got to do this Love Actually show, Christmas show, a holiday show, with a little singing. And then then, uh, the big news, March 6th. March 6th, the date is set. Goodfellas, episode one. What? Goodfellas, episode one, on March 6th at the Village Underground. Who are we going to get to play all the characters? Will I be able to, in fact, get Jim Brewer to play Joe Pesci? I'm not so sure. I don't think Jim Brewer curses anymore. Could be a problem. I mean, Joe Pesci curses in that movie. There's nothing we can do about that. Curses in front of his mother. I think he's got a problem with that, so we don't know. Can I get Colin Quinn to be in it? For some reason, I feel he would be amazing at that. Let's see what happens. Who will I play? I'm pretty sure I'm going to play Jimmy Conway, which is funny that I couldn't remember his first name. i got to play somebody, right? I can't stand not doing anything. I gave myself 30 parts in Love Actually. I mean, I can't stand just sitting there watching it work. I have to run it through because I'm the only one that knows my subtext, my... SCTV stupid subtext. So what are you going to do? It's my show and I can do whatever I want. On the every three months that I do a show. So there it is, ladies and gentlemen. The uh, Snow Podcast. The Holiday Season Podcast. So next week, uh, we will be here. Maybe I will, I said, I'll ask Sophia to be on. It'll be the week before Love Actually. And then after that, if all goes according to plan, it'll be Gilbert and Dave. Otherwise, well, I think I'll just play Love Actually. I was going to play Christmas Carol from last year, but why wouldn't I play Love Actually? Why wouldn't I? What am I doing? And then other than that, uh, well, we'll see you next week. And then after that, we'll see you after the New Year, right? Oh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. New Year stinks. So uh, that's it for tonight, everybody. I hope you had a good time. I had a good time screaming and yelling. It's good to be back in form again. We'll see you next time on The Nightfly with Dave Juskow. Have a great week, everybody. Fresh. Fresh.
Let's go back.